want to find your place for just a few minutes in Psalm 37. And I can just tell you, we won't finish Psalm 37 tonight. I love Psalm 37. Um, when I was a teenager, uh, it was one of the first psalms that I really understood and God used to speak to my heart. I was, uh, I had big desires when I was a teenager. Did you, when you were a teenager, have big dreams? Sure you did. You, you were thinking about you, what you wanted to do with your life and where you wanted to go and what things you wanted to accomplish and uh, you know, I, I, can, I can remember some of those dreams, and I, I came to that verse uh, that's, that's here in verse 4 where he says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I said, there it is. The Lord will give me the desires of my heart. And I had a lot of desires. Uh, one of them was to get married. <laughs> Please convince her that she should marry me. Uh, I had a lot of desires. I, I wanted to pastor a church. I actually thought God was going to call me to New York City to pastor a church. Um, I'm thankful he didn't. <laughs> I love West Virginia. I love my ridge. And um, I love you. Uh, so I'm glad he didn't. But I had big, dry, I had big desires. And then I, I, one, one night I was reading it again, thinking about it. You know, if you delight in the Lord, then you want what the Lord wants you to have. And your desires then match up with God's will for your life. And I, I came to a different understanding of that passage than I had ever been before. And I've been reading it over and over. If I ever get to sign something, I always sign my name and I sign Psalm 37.4. I took that as my life verse. Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But the psalm has, has been precious to me. What I want us to do for the next few minutes, I want to read through the psalm. All 40 verses? Yeah, all 40 verses. You think Scripture is important to read? Absolutely. Scripture is absolutely important to read. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to read uh, uh, back and forth. I'm going to read the, the odd number of verses, since I'm the odd one in the crowd. And you're going to read the, 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 the uh, positive, not positive, uh, the even-numbered uh, verses. It's been a long afternoon. A very long afternoon. It's going to be a very long week. Um, you're going to read the even numbers, okay? And we're going to read all 40 verses uh, responsively uh, together. And then I'm going to come back and I want to introduce you to this psalm. We won't get through it, but I'll introduce you to this psalm. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while in the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. 
But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power in spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright for the future of that man is peace but the transgressors shall be destroyed together the future of the wicked cut off but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord he is their strength in the time of trouble and the Lord shall help them and deliver them he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him just some introductory thoughts related to Psalm 37. This is called a wisdom psalm. You think of a wisdom psalm like you think of the book of Proverbs. It's a, it's a psalm that's intended to impart to us an insight or an understanding into life that you might not have otherwise apart from the words of this psalm. It's interesting that this psalm is laid out as an acrostic. As Psalm 119 is laid out as an acrostic, you don't see it broken down that way in the, in the English text, but it's broken down that way in the Hebrew text so that the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet are used at the beginning of every couple of verses. 
And the purpose of that is for the purpose of, obviously, memorization and knowing what uh, Psalm 37 has to say. This particular psalm, verses 1 to 9, is written uh, with imperatives, one after the other. You see the imperatives? He says, trust in the Lord, verse 3, dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness, delight yourself uh, also in the Lord, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him. Uh, and he moves down and rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, cease from anger, down to verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. I think there's nine imperatives that are given. But after you see those nine imperatives, then you find indicatives for the rest of this chapter. Indicatives meaning statements that are being made. Rather than commands that are being given, there are statements that are being made. And the issue that he confronts in this particular psalm are the inequities that sometimes are seen in life when the righteous seemingly suffer and the wicked seem to prosper. Have you ever wondered about that? Have you ever felt like this isn't fair? Why would they doing that end up with those kinds of things and me doing what God wants me to do end up with what I'm dealing with in my life? I know back 25 years ago when I was diagnosed first time with uh, sarcoidosis, thought it was cancer at first and then it turned out to be sarcoidosis, I, I can remember thinking to myself, I would ride by somebody and I'd see them puffing on a cigarette and I think to myself, why do I have something, I'm thinking that moment, cancer in my lungs, and they don't have that, and I don't smoke, and they do. You ever thought like that? If, you're, if you haven't thought like that, you're not normal. <laughs> well, that explains, uh, that explains it. I should have known that to begin with. Y'all aren't normal. I'm not normal. But that's the way this psalm is laid out. It seems like the wicked are getting ahead in life, and the poor righteous, they're just getting overlooked. They're just getting trampled down. It doesn't seem to be fair. There's another psalm that approaches this same theme. Do you know what psalm it is? It's Psalm 73. Remember, he talks about the wicked and the righteous in Psalm 73, and he says, it didn't make sense to me until I went into the house of the Lord. And I saw their end. And then I understood that it may look like they're getting ahead, but the end result, I would rather have what I have today and be going to heaven than to have what they're having in being separated from God forever. You see? That's the same kind of an idea that's going on here in Psalm 37. He's comparing the wicked with the, with the righteous. And it seems like the wicked here are getting ahead and the righteous, well, they're falling behind. And it doesn't seem to be fair. It doesn't seem to be fair. This isn't right. When he talks about the wicked, he's talking about those who make themselves rich on the backs of the less fortunate in order to accumulate wealth for themselves, they do it by dishonest means. That's what he's talking about when he talks about the wicked here. There's nothing wrong with having wealth, right? There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. If you're wealthy, please tell me after the service. I'd like to spend more time with you. But there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There were many wealthy people in the Scripture, and God can bless people with great wealth. But he's talking here about people who gained their wealth in a dishonest fashion. You'll notice chapter 37, verse 20. Just look how he puts it. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke. The wicked shall perish 
You see that? Uh, look at uh, uh, verse 7. Go back to verse 7. That's where I'm missing. Uh, verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. He's a schemer. Uh, he's, a, he's, he's in a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> he's in a Ponzi scheme. He's finding a way to make himself enriched while he's taking away from others who are in need. If you look at uh, verse 16, he says, A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Do you feel that way? Uh, it would be a whole lot better for you to have a little bit and be walking with God than for you to have everything and to be, right, to be, be out of fellowship with God, right? I, I got a saying about that back here. Let me see if I can find that. I'm not going to get back here to it. So let me see if I can find that back here. I'm going to tell you what it says. Yeah, I'm going to find it. Yeah, I'm going to find it. Nothing with God, this is my little saying, nothing with God is more than everything without God. Nothing with God, meaning you got nothing, with God is more than having everything that this world has to offer without God. You follow what he's saying here? The wicked are those who are making themselves rich on the backs of others, and they're doing it in a dishonest manner. They're, they're doing it in a way that uh, presses others down and away from them, and the righteous are those who are seeking to obey the Lord. Look at verse 35. He says it again. I have seen the wicked in great power in spreading himself like a native green tree. An evergreen tree. You think of a tree. Is this going to live there forever? It's going to live there forever. And it looks like the wicked sometimes are like an evergreen tree, a native green tree. Uh, but we know the end of the wicked, don't we? This is very reminiscent of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He goes on and said, but the wicked are not so. He's contrasting the wicked with the righteous. It would be a whole lot better for us to be righteous with a little bit than to be wicked with a whole lot. I might just say this, and I hope I say this the right way. Sometimes having a whole lot is a hindrance. I know too many people who have a whole lot that are trusting in their whole lot rather than trusting in the Lord. Now, not everybody's like that. I know some people who have a whole lot that are trusting in the Lord too. And that's the ones I want to get to know. After the service, I'll be standing here. <laughs> but most of us fit in the category, we don't have a whole lot. I mean, you know, lower middle income maybe. Most of us maybe lower income. But if you got the Lord, hey, you got more than those who have everything but are wicked as well. That's what he's talking about. He's contrasting the wicked with the righteous and the righteous with the wicked. And it doesn't seem fair that the wicked seem to get away with their deeds and the righteous don't ever get to be able to enjoy the things that the wicked are enjoying. The wicked are able to take away from the righteous. Hey, it's going on all the time. Even in America, it's going on all the time. Don't you see the wickedness of, a, of, of abortion? And, and don't you understand that those who seemingly have made themselves rich on the backs of taking children's lives in a mother's womb, 
Don't you see them getting rich on, on the basis of the special interests of the special interest of, of the homosexual community and of the transgender community? And you think to yourself, Lord, why did you put those people in office? Can't we have somebody that would be righteous in office? And you look at it and you, you figure out what, what's going on here. This doesn't seem right. That's what he's dealing with. I'm trying to put it in our terms so you can gather a little bit of what he's saying here. I want you to understand this is a hard thing for him to, 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 to comprehend. And the warning of this psalm concerns how God's children respond to these seeming inequities of life. And his basic answer is that the transitory nature of the wicked, that is, the transitory nature of the wicked is is the, the end of those who are doing these things while the righteous will live eternally and be rewarded for doing right for the rest of their lives. I, I love the way Spurgeon put it. Spurgeon had a way with words. I read Spurgeon sometimes and I don't understand what he said. And then there's other times I read Spurgeon and I think, that is unbelievably profound. But here's one of his profound statements. He said, who envies the fat bullock the ribbons and garlands which decorate him as he is led to the slaughter. You, you do that? I mean, as you're watching the wicked who are making themselves rich on the backs of those that are righteous and taking away in dishonest ways, uh, dishonorable ways, uh, something from someone else and who are, you know, they're, they're involving themselves in the wickedness, the evil, the evil. I mean, they're involved in the evil can you imagine a governor of, a, of California who would put up billboards about abortion and he would quote the words of Jesus as if Jesus supported such an action? So that brings me to the last thing I'm going to say about this tonight. As this psalm opens, the first words right out of the block or exactly what you're feeling and what I'm feeling when I hear things like that. I'm thinking, you know, here are good people that want to do the right thing, who want to lead people in the right way. Well, why do we have these leaders that want to take us in the direction that's going to lead us into destruction? Why do we have that? And the very first thing, right out of the blocks in Psalm 37, verse 1, what does he say? Do not fret because of evildoers. Hey, you don't think that's enough? Look at verse 7. In the middle of verse 11, verse 7, he says it again. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. And if that's not enough, I mean, twice, we hear you, we hear you, we got it. He says it a third time in the middle of verse 8 or the end of verse 8. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Do not fret. Let me finish by just talking about the word fret for a little while. I have not mastered this one yet. Have you can you tell that yet? I have not mastered this one yet. Uh, the, the, the Hebrew word for fret, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I know how to read them. Um, the, the Hebrew word for, for fret is the word to, to make hot. It's the word to make angry. It's the word for our frustration. 
Do not get frustrated. Do not let yourself boil over. Do not become volatile. Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not fret. He says it a second time. Do not fret. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard, isn't it? Because we see the wickedness and we see the righteous over here and it doesn't seem right that the wicked are exalted and the righteous are passed by and overlooked. It may be at your job that the wicked keeps getting the advance and you get, get looked over. It may be in your community that the wicked keep getting advanced and you get looked over. It may be in government, the wicked keep getting advanced, but you get, keep, keep getting looked over. It may be in some aspect of your life where you see that happen, happening. And the psalmist David comes and he says, don't fret about it. Now, just be honest with you, I haven't arrived there yet. I still get frustrated. Uh, I st- this, this is what the word means. My, my daddy used to, when he would be upset about something, I never saw him angry, outwardly angry, but when he would be upset about something, whatever it might be, he, he, th- these are his words. I don't know if they use them in West Virginia or not, or it's just a southern phrase. I don't think I've heard it in West Virginia. If I have, I don't remember hearing it. This is what he'd say, that burns me up. <laughs> if I heard him say it once, I heard him say it dozens and dozens of times. He'd, he'd see something. He knew it wasn't right. It wasn't the right thing to do. He'd say, that burns me up. That's what he's talking about. Do not fret. Don't let it burn you up. Don't let the heat get within you that rises up with frustration that turns into anger that can become something volatile if it's not brought back into control. Don't worry about it. Overly worry about it. Don't fret about it. I haven't gotten there yet. But the way you overcome that kind of fretting are in the commands that he gives to us, those eight or nine commands that we'll look at next week. So tonight, let's just leave it. What are you fretting about? Does it seem fair? Just, just not, I, don't, I don't like it. Somebody else shouldn't have gotten that. I should have gotten that. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. And you stew over it, and you spend all your time dwelling on it, I have somebody that writes me every week, every, two or three times a week, over some problem that's going on in their lives, and they're always, it's, it's a repetition every time they write me, and I try to be as kind and gentle and loving as I can be, and try to be comforting and writing back to them. It's always rehashing the same thing over and over. Rehash it. Let's rehash it. Let's go over it again. 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 I want to make sure you know that I want to go over this again. Let's go over this again. Let's go over this one more time. Let's go over it maybe two more times, maybe three more times. We'll go over it again. Let's go over it again. Let's go over it one more time. And I keep saying, you can't live like this. You're making... (laughs) You're not only making yourself miserable, you're making me miserable. (laughs) I I didn't say that. I I didn't say that. I didn't didn't say that to them. You You can't keep rehashing it. You learn the lesson from it, and you move on from it. But you can't keep living in it, because it will burn you up. 
It'll come out of you in anger and in every other possible way. It'll destroy. Listen, you think the other person is causing your problem? This person over here that got the advance that you didn't get, the wicked one, and you're the righteous over here, and somehow you just got overlooked, and it's just not fair. It's just not fair, and it's burning you up inside. Can I tell you that you can be angry with that other person as long as you want to be? It isn't going to change them most likely, but I'll tell you what it will do. It'll change you, and it may well destroy your family in the process. When God says something once, we ought to listen to it. When he says it twice, he's giving it for emphasis. But when he comes back and he says it a third time, and do you notice what he says at the end of verse 8? Do not fret. It only causes harm. Now, that's a difficult Hebrew phrase to to translate. It it literally means it tends to evil. It it tends to, to, to wrongdoing. For instance, murmuring. It leads you to become a murmurer. It leads you into a place of displeasure. It leads you where you can't be happy. This, this constant fretting, it isn't going to do you any good. It, it isn't going to be good for you. It isn't going to be good for those that are around you. It's going to keep pulling you down. It's going to keep drowning you. You're going to keep feeling like somebody that's in the water and you're drowning and you can't be saved. And you just, <gasps> you get a breath and you go back under and you come back up <gasps> and you go back under. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Instead, trust in the Lord. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. By the way, that is one of the most beautiful phrases. It's translated different in the NIV and the NLT. And the, that's okay. I understand all that. I love it here in the New King James Version. Feed on his faithfulness. I'm reading a book uh, called uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's not about the hymn. Uh, It's an author who has taken the passages of Scripture where it shows the faithfulness of God. And I I read a chapter a night, and um, I'm, I'm being reminded again and again. I'm being reminded again that I need to feed on his faithfulness. God is always faithful. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. Rest in the Lord. How do you deal with fretting? You do all of those things that he says. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. And stop fretting. Maybe tonight you just need to let go of something. It's time to let it go. It's time to move on. You know, one of the great things about my brain there's only, there's only one great thing about my brain because I can't remember anything. And by the way, since I've been dealing with the things I've been dealing with, standing on my feet for three hours on a Sunday when I go home, my, my legs were swollen up today. Um, I, and my, my mind is not working like it used to work. I don't know if that's being 65, almost 65, or whether that's, you know, I don't know what's working on me. But there's one good thing about my brain. You want to know what it is? I can't remember things. <laughs> so every once in a while, somebody will say, you know, I offended you sometime in the past. I'll say, what? What are you talking about? I don't even remember that. Yeah, I'll take your forgiveness. You got any money? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't even remember it. Or if I remembered it at the time, you know, I came to the place to just let go of it. How do you last 40 years in one church First of all, how do you put up with somebody for 40 years in the same church? And how does he put up with somebody 
40 years in the same church. You just don't have a very good memory. You, you just don't hold on to things. Because if you hold on to them, it'll burn you up every single time. 